Welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by our ladies football pundit, Nadine Doherty. Good evening, Nadine. Hey, Denise, how are you? I'm grand. Listen, we had four All-Ireland semi-finals at the weekend. We'll start with Saturday's junior games. Kate Flood scored 2-6 as last year's beaten All-Ireland finalist Loud booked their place in the final. Did a 3-15 to 1-5 win over Antrim. Antrim actually defeated them in the Division 4 semi-finals. So I suppose it was a perfect game for Loud to gain revenge for that result. We kind of said from the start that Loud were the team to beat and they're in the final again. Yeah, but as you said, with a great result, um, I mean, emphatic, really. Um, and Katie Flood, we mentioned her before in the podcast, you know, she's the super free taker. She's kind of their talisman. But yeah, look, we, we kind of predicted it. But fair play to Loud because they're always there, thereabouts. Yeah. They're always favourites for the junior. So look, it's, they're in the final. And I suppose for them now this time is really just getting over the line. And that's what they'll be focusing on. Now, Loud will face Romanagh in that final after the Ernsiders had a 16 points to 3-3 win over London. London actually made a great start to that game and had scored two early goals. Emer Smith once again led the way for Fermanagh. Yeah, we had we'd actually predicted London. I think the last yeah. time we were talking because they'd had two really really good results and they ran loud. Yeah, ran yeah. loud close. Yeah, yeah, and um, two really good results in the group stages. And I really felt that, that they would push on because for Mana, even though they're always there thereabouts, they're never really that distant. Listen, sixteen points—that's a huge score. Um, and having gotten off to that bad start, they'll definitely take a lot of confidence going into that final against Loud. Um, possibly, you know, I, you know, wasn't home advantage, but Clonus is a pitch that they would be familiar with. Yeah. Didn't have to travel too far from home. You know, London probably would have had an overnight or what have you. That possibly went in their favour. Probably had a good support there as well. So look, at fair play to them. They meet Loud again. You know, both teams will be very, very familiar with each other. But I would expect Loud um, to, to make it up to the intermediate grade. Yeah. Yeah, I actually got a chance to watch Fermanagh this year. They were on before Longford played Mead in the Division 3 semi-final. They were playing Limerick in the Division 4 semi-final. And they came from like nine points down to win that game. And Emer Smith was f- fantastic for them. So we could have a, a shootout on uh, a Ireland final day between Smith and Flood. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, you know, with Fermanagh, they go in there knowing that they're underdogs, but they do have that never say die yeah. They went, as you said already, they went down against London by, you know, two goals. They were down against Limerick, came back. So, you know, Louth aren't going to have it all their own way. And, you know, hopefully we will see a good shit out between two quality forwards. Right, we're moving on to Sunday and lots to talk about. Roisin Leonard's free saw Galway boot their place in the All-Ireland Senior Final. Galway had already defeated Mayo in the league and in the Connacht final replay. We'll talk about the game as a contest first and then obviously comments that Peter Leahy made after the game. Um, yeah, look, a great game. Um, I thought it was, it was probably a little bit more exciting than the second yeah. game, the Dublin Cork game, which I suppose we get on to. Um, probably not as good a quality, but it really was. It was end-to-end. Two great teams. You know, we had tipped Galway by the skin of their team. Yeah. Um, we, we said that we wouldn't be surprised if, if either team, um, you know, won it. But I thought with Galway, I suppose, where I felt that they won it, you know, they played their running game, which we're familiar with, you know, the wards. Um, 
Glenn in the middle. I thought Devlin had a, a good game. She was in and out of it, but when she was on the ball, she was very good. She was very direct. Um, I thought they moved the ball much quicker than Mayo. Um, they played Tracy Leonard deep at times, mm. you know, which which worked, I, I think, at times. Um, they probably knew that Mayo would try and double-team her and it left huge space inside um, for Roisin Leonard. And I thought Mayo did look vulnerable um, a lot of the time. They got last-ditch tackles in there. Um, but overall, I felt Galway were more clinical. Um, definitely more composed and they probably played you know a smarter game um, you know their first half goals Shoiga finished them brilliantly and yeah. I thought both goals they kind of highlighted Mayo's failings really they went to push up on the kick out they played a really high game Mayo and the fact that Galway were able to break those lines it left them very exposed but look they were vulnerable um, against a team that goes direct and I thought especially the second goal was brilliant. Sinead Burke, she created the chance by going at pace and Shoiga, I mean, two brilliant finishes for those. Um, and again, I just thought, you know, little things and matches and where Galway possibly got a bit of luck, I thought Sinead Burke possibly could have been Sinbent just before mm. half-time. She made three dodgy enough tackles but then when she should have been off the pitch, I suppose in my own opinion, she made brilliant interceptions. She had a huge impact in the game. And, you know, Olivia Devilly was possibly in the same boat in the second half. Could have been shown a yellow. And um, there's a really poor foul on, on one of the Kellys. And then she went on to have a massive say in the final mm. quarter of the game. So, you know, I think Galway in, in those incidents had, had the advantage. And then, look, the second half, they had way less to play. But in fairness to them, they took their chances um, on the break. They made the right decisions, and um, ironically, it was their soul who who levelled matters. And then, look as you said, amazing skill, nerve, and talent yeah. for um, Roshan Leonard to finish it off. You know, so I just felt they were the main areas where Galway Galway won it. Do you think Tim Rabbit got tactics and most of what he wanted Galway to do right on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I think Galway really played their own game. Mm. Um, what we've seen all year, aside from. Tracy Leonard dropping deep. Um, I felt it did work. She probably she had a very good game. She definitely had a really good game. She created space for the girls inside, as I said, and picked out some brilliant passes. And you know, she made things tick around the middle. But then when she went back inside, she looked a little bit more dangerous. So I suppose it poses the question: Had she been inside for the whole game, would Galway possibly have won by more? You know, I don't know. Um, look, they're going to be happy. Either way, um, look, they're in the final and they'll be delighted with that. But yeah, I think tactically overall he got it, he got it spot on. We obviously will be talking about the final um, in depth before it, but a game like this for Galway, because we always said that when it came to the big games with Galway, they come so near and yet so far. You know, we look at last year's semi-final against Dublin in the league and then obviously just nothing went right for them then when they met Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final then the league this year and we're kind of going you know will Galway will Galway do it would a game like this you know where they're really at the end kind of had to show true grit would it help them ah yeah of course it's absolutely going to help them um, and we have been saying it all year mm. I think you know the whole country's been saying it for a number of years um, I think Roisin Leonard showed true grit but there was a spell there for 10 minutes where it looked like neither team wanted to really drive on and win it you know they got that free Mayo had loads of chances yeah. for that you know where, look I'm give, I give Galway credit absolutely they're in a final they played extremely well but there was a big case of this match that Mayo how Mayo lost the game 
you know, you, you go back to tactics there. Rabbit will feel he got his tactics right. Um, I question possibly Peter Leahy pushing up so high on the kickout. Yes. Especially in the second half when it really didn't work in the first half. Um, you know, Mayo, in fairness to the girls, they played really high intensity press in their physical game up front. But if you look at that first half, they barely got a hand on the, the Galway kickout, but persisted with it in the second half. You know, um, again, where I feel Mayo possibly lost it, their scoring. Um, I think their stat, I was watching it there again yesterday, their stat, they got nine scores out of 34 scoring chances. Like, like that's. That's not even one third. No, and you're not going to win that match in the final or in the semi-final with that. Um, they had four whites in the first four minutes. Um, the shot selection, I mean, Sarah Rowe had three particular, uh, you know, questionable shots. Um, Rachel Cairns, Catherine Sullivan, just shot selections. That you're and it's not as if they don't know what Croker is like. Yeah, because they put in a brilliant performance yeah. against. You know, I feel looking at them, they were so driven and they were, you know, they were really focused. It could have been a case that, you know, they were told, go out, don't play with any fear, take it to Galway. And they did that. But it was, I suppose it's that fine line between composure and being over enthusiastic yeah. and making the wrong decision, you know. Um, again, you know, with Galway, as we said, they got over the line, absolutely. But Mayo had so many chances, you know, Neve Kelly got that for me goal of the season and then literally I think about a minute later Cafferty had a chance of a second goal brilliant save from the keeper but like that was a massive turning point for Galway and you kind of would have thought with Galway you know if you have that real drive and that you know real we're really going to turn the screw here they would have gone up the pitch maybe and, and got a point or two but it stayed level then for another 10 minutes they were cautious weren't they very cautious I mm. think both teams are very cautious whereas you looked at Dublin and you know with 10 minutes to go Dublin just turned the screw yeah. for me that's the difference between you know the Cork and Dublins and perhaps your next level your, your Galways and, and Mayo which I look credit to Galway absolutely maybe that is the you know the, the jinx off their yeah. back um, and fair play to them you know they, they'd be delighted and I'm delighted for them because they're a lovely footballing team to watch yeah. and I think they'll, they'll bring a lot of entertainment to that final I mentioned uh, Peter Lee and his comments Rachel Kearns won a free in at the end but then the referee changed his mind and gave a free out. Leahy believes that a television official spoke to referee Seamus Wavija through his earpiece to say that there was two hops in the build-up. The LGFA, of course, have denied that and said that it was the referee and umpire that came to the decision to award a free out. Um, yeah, there was actually, this controversy happened a number of years ago when Keith Tighe was refereeing an All-Ireland final. Yes. And he, I think he admitted now, I, c- I could be wrong, but I think he admitted that he had somebody um, in the crowd um, in his ear. Um, look, I didn't see Seamus Mulville go to his umpires. I didn't see it, and I watched it again on the TV. Um, whether he changed his mind himself, a lot of the Galway players went up to him. I mean, Tracy Leonard went straight up to him and was um, remonstrating. Um, you know, I think referees point in the wrong direction by accident um, you know there, there's so many buts to it I would imagine that he was mic'd up because mm. you are mic'd up to yeah. the fourth official is there anything wrong with the fourth official telling them possibly not if it's in real time but if they have beauty of a, a TV then 
you know, that brings into question VAR for GA. That's exactly um, it, yeah. He mentioned yeah. VAR. In fairness, Rachel Cairns hopped the ball twice. Twice, yeah. That's, and unluckily for her, she hopped the ball a second time just as she was fouled. Um, look, it's really hard for for Peter Leahy and the male girls. Um, but it's something look that you're not going to get to the bottom of. I don't think anybody's going to get to the bottom of. But she hopped the ball twice. Um, he blew for a free in. He made a decision, and I think the right decision. You, you know, you saw David Goff this year in the men, yes, and he was credited for discussing with his umpires and changing his mind. And um, to be honest, I thought now Rachel Cairns probably was injured, but I thought the fact that she lay down for a minute it gave him a chance to listen. Yes, to his mind. What if she had to got up straight away? And the ball was not like had she got up straight away. Took the free quick. Had the time, took the free kick quickly. What do you had the time? So look, I can totally empathise with Peter and Mayo, but there's a few things they could have done differently as well, and that's you know, that's football. And you take the good with the bad. Unfortunately, on that stage, it's extremely an extremely bitter pill to swallow. But look, Mayo should have been up. You know, they had yeah. chances. It probably shouldn't have come to that. We're moving on to the next game. Three in a row, it's very much on for Dublin after the defeat of Cork by six points. The goals came from Creeper O'Connor and a Sinead O'Hearn penalty. Like, a goal in this game was always going to be crucial. Yeah, like, I mean, as in any Cork and Dublin game, we've seen it in all of them in the past. Um, and in fairness to Dublin, they were the team who looked like scoring that yeah. goal in the second half. Um, Cork, in the first half, had two goal chances, you know, um, during O'Sullivan. She was quite unlucky with the the first first chance, and then and there was a really good save. You know, she could have that could have been a platform for Cork. I don't. I think it was zero zero at that point, or perhaps yeah, I think it was zero zero. And then you know, near the end of that half, she almost found. Um, I think it was Hutchins for a goal. Only Hutchins just tripped at the last minute, and Dublin did very well, and, and you know, um, got the ball out. But yeah, the goal was always going to win the game. But look, Dublin overall, I tipped. Cork from the start so did I had yeah. fair play to Cork I put my hand up I got it or fair play to Dublin, Dublin yeah. you know they overall more deserving winners um, going on the performances of both teams this year it would have been Cork I would have tipped but yeah. Dublin went to the levels of last year for the first time I feel in 2019 their intensity their focus their drive that drive that we saw last year yeah. evident from the off and you know Coming into that second half, with Kevin's gone in the second half, Cork had just run out of steam. And I just thought with Dublin, their big players all performed on the day. And unfortunately for Cork, too many of their big players had an off day. When you think of it, Nadine, though, like Cork failed to score in about 17 minutes in that second half. And in between that, like Dublin got their first goal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as we said about Cork, they just seemed to struggle, not just in that second half, but even in the first half. You know, I felt Dublin's defence was absolutely brilliant. Um, you could just see Cork, they had to play the ball around the D over and back and over and back. And Dublin just wore them down so many times until they, you know, took the wrong shot or they turned the ball over and then Dublin just played at pace um, out of the back. No score was easy for Cork, whereas I just felt with Dublin, they looked to be able to create more space and create chances a lot easier, especially in that second half, you know, simply because I feel they moved the ball so, so fast. Um, and yeah, I just think Dublin tactically, in fairness to McBowen, he got it bang on. Yeah. 
because I was going to say that to you because a lot of people said to me they felt that Cork got it tactically wrong. Or maybe are we not giving Dublin enough credit? I, I probably would give Dublin, you know, 90% of the credit. Um, I mean, I don't know really what else Cork could have done differently. I mean, when Dublin are in full flow like they were, and yeah, true. they are very hard to stop. Um, I think matchups, I don't know how else Cork could have changed around. I mean, Melissa Duggan was picking up who I feel is probably one of Dublin's best players in Lindsay Davy. Melissa is probably one of Cork's best, best players. Yeah. You know, Orla Finn was Roman as she usually does. He tried to bring Scally out at times for that bit of pace going forward. Uh, you know, no, I mean, I wouldn't, personally, I, I, I give more credit to Dublin than criticise Cork um, tactically. And you know, these Cork and Dublin teams, at the end of the day, they're so, so good. It's rare that they would change their tactics. Yeah. With all respect to each other, you know, they're probably, I would feel, the kind of teams and the kind of managers who have so much confidence in their own teams and their own ability that they go out and play their game. Yeah, absolutely match-ups. But I, Dublin and Cork have so many quality players. You know, <laughs> it's very hard to get match-ups right or wrong. You know, if that makes sense. I yeah. A lot of those players are so evenly matched. It just depends which player shows up on the day, essentially. In the championship, we've seen Dublin just completely put in such performances. The result against Armagh, when you think back to it, did Cork kind of show signs, baby, back then that, you know, they just weren't the Cork that we, we thought they were? Um, possibly. Um, I feel Cork just took their, their eye off the ball that day. And had that game gone on for five more minutes, they probably would have won it. For me, with Cork all year, um, where I felt that... You know, they were going to be vulnerable and probably would be tested the most against Dublin. Was yeah. going to be that full back line. You know, we talked about. Yeah, you said about the goals conceded, yeah. You know, um, they conceded another two on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I don't know, maybe that, you know, they are mammoths that they came out and absolutely pumped their own the following week. Um, and yeah, I can see what you mean. You know, Dublin, they beat teams and they beat them comfortably. But uh, as we spoke about, you know, Dublin didn't put in a full 60 minutes up until Sunday. Yeah. You know, they were never going to lose those games and they never looked like losing those games. But they hadn't put in that complete performance we were waiting for. And look, lo and behold, like all classic brilliant champions, they do it when it counts, you know. And I think more credit to Bowen, you know, he obviously had a plan to disregard Leinster, you know, the group stages. We we get through them. I say that was his mindset, you know, we get through them. Some of them might be a bit sticky in parts, yeah. but we get through them. And he had his team peaking when it counts. And with the team peaking fitness-wise, the individual performances, I think, were brilliant. And again, with him, you know, huge call not starting Noel Healy um, and starting Eve Heatherton. Yeah. Um, I think was the correct call considering Noel Healy's form all year we spoke about it on the podcast a number of times and I think it was the right call more so the impact Noel had coming off the bench than you know Heatherton's performance um, she you know got herself a point she was involved in the goal um, but I think she, she'll still have a battle to win her starting spot back but um, I mean who would have said a month ago that Mick Bowen would be dropping Noel Healy for an All-Ireland semi-final but that just shows I think the mental strength of a really good manager and the way Noel Healy responded coming on is the mental strength of a really good player so look I think Dublin just got it right in, in every sense um, on Sunday Doesn't it show you though 
what Mick Bohan is like as a manager. He wasn't afraid to make those calls and he had faith in the players. And then obviously he knew that Noel could come on and make a difference. Oh, absolutely. You know, and he has faith in all his players. Yeah. He's he's not afraid to make decisions. He brought on yeah. in a white in the first half and he took her off in the second half. You know, for Quivo Connor and Quivo Connor got the, the first goal that really turned the game on its head. So look he has confidence in himself, he has yeah. confidence in his players. We've spoken about his defensive system um and the way he really got that on point on, on Sunday. And I thought Dublin's tackling, which um, you know, you know from Mick and his press conferences and you know, what he spoke about after the league about tackling it's a big focus of his um, I do think Dublin tackle on the edge at times um, but depending on the referee it can really go for them or against them you know and I think it went for them there uh, at the weekend After the game Aoife Fitzgerald the Cork manager stepped down and we'll talk about his time at Cork in a few minutes but likely he, he wasn't happy with the officiating in the game Ciaro Sullivan was sent off um what do you think? For, I know you can't take away from Dublin's win and, you know, Evie wasn't doing that, but he was kind of looking at decisions like he wanted the tackle to be defined. Yeah, you know, you look at the Simbins. I mean, Eve Collins had a Simbin for three ticks. Um, you know, I look back, the tackle itself that she was Simbin for, it was a two-handed push. Yeah, the foul, it wasn't anything particularly bad. But before that, I only counted one other foul from her mm. in the first half, so I don't know where the, the third tick came from. Cork had Emer Meany Simbent, to be honest, looking at it, looking back at it, she had more than three ticks. She had two at least in the first half and at least two, if not three, in the second half. So I feel she did deserve to go for persistent fouling. Look, the Kira Sullivan one, um, you could see the referee Maggie Farley signalling three ticks. Again, I counted one charge in the second half that... Um, she took one, char- one charge in the second half and then the second challenge quite similar the Dublin player offloaded the ball and she charged into her um, and that, that was all I saw from her but with Kira, you could see she was mouthing to the referee after both um after both incidents and you know just you, you watch games and you watch players and if you watch Kira, she is quite vocal on the pitch towards referees um, Aoife said she's been sending three times by the same referee in the last three games so you know perhaps she should know to keep her mouth shut as well well, you know, if 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 that if that was an impact mm. of why she was sending, um, she probably should look at her verbals on the pitch, and perhaps they're not appreciated by referees. And again, look, that may not be why um, Maggie Farley sending her, but I counted two challenges. They were heavy challenges, um, and Maggie held up three fingers for three ticks. So maybe one of them was for verbals. I'm not sure. Look, Evie, no more than Peter Leahy, you're going to be. Yeah. frustrated after losing you're probably going to look for a few things that you know yeah, you could feel once you're against you yeah but you know what he has um, called out the LGFA and referees in the past on the tackle no more than Mick Bowen you know he's calling for the tackle to be um, defined it is defined in the rule book and it says a player holding the ball into her body cannot be legally dispossessed and any attempt to do so will result in a free for her and her team and then it also says that when making a tackle to dispossess a player, it must be timed when the player's solo and bouncing, kicking or passing the ball. So, look, I don't think the problem is with the definition of the tackle. I think the problem is the way football has evolved, become more physical. Referees aren't refereeing matches to that tackle that's defined in the rule book. So perhaps 
tackle does need to be redefined because it is defined there but it possibly needs to be redefined you know it also says in the rules that there shouldn't be any deliberate body contact I mean that happens yeah of course <laughs> every second of a match yeah. shouldering is not allowed referees are quite strict on that but you know it does happen and then I feel you have silly rules like as a forward or even a defender you can't hold off a player I mean that's absolutely outrageous yeah. that you can't protect yourself so look I feel possibly yeah you know those rules were probably written up a long time ago football has evolved maybe it's time that we change with how football has evolved and, and redefine that tackle um, but you know in terms of E.C. Fitzgerald stepping down um, a great manager um, you know big shoes to fill when he went in oh, after him and Ryan oh my god I mean he took over a position that I'd say nobody wanted <laughs> yeah even though Cork was so successful but I mean I mean how people would have felt who can match that you know yeah. after Eamon um, I feel he did an incredible job you know he won what did he won he won in won Ireland and the league title leagues, I yeah. think and whatever Munster championships you know so he hasn't done too bad as a manager and he did that for me you know considering you look at that team he had out on Sunday that was almost completely different yeah the last team Eamon Ryan managed what you know four years ago so look I think he did everything he could for Cork football and I suppose a, a level of you know you'd always kind of judge yourself as a, a manager in any role you know be it sport or anything if you leave that team or, or that association in a better place than where you got it um, people might say he didn't but I would feel the team he inherited when you look at the transition the yeah. yeah you know he, he probably achieved as much if not more than he could yeah. and also giving credit to Dublin how they have risen so much in those couple of years and how he was still able to be competitive the thing about it is it was Cork that actually made Dublin um, rise the way they have and then obviously uh, bringing in Mick Bohan has really changed just come back to the referee and we have spoken so many times about you know about rules and officiating and we actually wanted to have uh, one of the top referees in the game on the podcast to talk about refereeing in general just rules and you know myself and yourself and and Diane wanted to ask questions and we're hoping they'd be able to answer them but unfortunately they didn't get the go ahead from Crow Park so as you know we all make mistakes and, and I've often as a journalist made a mistake and you know, I'll put my hand up and say it and, and I'm sure referees will but just to find out you know different things Nadine a crowd of over 10,000 people were at the games in Crow Park on Sunday the LGFA are happy about it but I don't know I don't think a small crowd in Crow Park is of any help to players I, I just feel that maybe a double header in somewhere like Tullamore or Burr or somewhere like that small compacted area would create a better atmosphere but that's just my opinion Um. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I thought 10,000 was a decent crowd, considering it's the first time that we've had our semi-finals in Crow Park. Um, when you look back to when we had our first All-Ireland in Crow Park, whatever, over 20 years ago, I'd say we only had about 8,000. So from that point of view, I think it's really good. I see what you mean by a compact venue and get to 10,000 in but you're not going to get 10,000 in a compact venue like Burr. We've looked mm. at attendances all year throughout the country and they've been really poor. You know, no, I, I would say it was a success. You know, if you look back at the TV, um, you could hear a lot of noise. Um, the lower Cusick looked really well. It looked full. 
um, obviously as an LGFA fan and a player you'd hope for more but yeah. if you ask any of those girls on those squads of 30 would they have preferred to play in Crow Park or play in Burr I think they would oh, yeah. all said Crow Park um, I think it'll grow if it becomes an annual thing I think eventually we'll get up there to the 50,000 um, but I think for year one you know, ten and a half thousand was really good. The only thing I would have loved to have seen was the ten and a half thousand in for both games. Yes. Um, you know, you could see the Dublin crowd came in as usual. For sorry. The Dublin game. Yeah. <laughs> they came into the Dublin game, um, but which I suppose is a credit to the Dublin LGFA and the followership they have. Um, you know, obviously they plugged it so much that those supporters were coming in for their team. So you can't overly criticise them there. I think it's more the neutrals that we'll see coming out for the All-Ireland That's it, yeah. Now in Longford there was club games um, on Sunday and yeah. a lot of the ladies would have liked to have went to Croker obviously the Cuttons and then I would have loved to have went as well but obviously we have uh, the men's championship going on whereas for the 15th of September that weekend is completely free from ladies club games around the country so and for a decent attendance you've got Louth and Fermanagh in the junior you've got Tipperary and Mead which will be a humdinger of a game in the intermediate and then actually you're looking at and then Galway and Dublin in the senior you're actually looking at three going to be three very good games yeah, three brilliant games. And as you said, you know, I feel just going back to having matches on the weekend gone by, I suppose because this was only announced, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and as it's, you know, the first year, I think as of next year, if it does go ahead, we know in advance games won't be on. You'll have your, you know, you'll have your full LGFA co- cohort in a position to be there. So no, I think the semi-finals will grow in, in Croker. But yeah, look, the finals three brilliant matches hopefully to look forward to um, we'll, we'll discuss them I suppose of course we will further down the line but uh, yeah really really looking forward to it and um, you know delighted for Galway to be there you know and it's, it's great for them because we said they've been knocking on the door for so long great to see Dublin put in that performance um, I'll put my hand up they, they proved me wrong um, I did think me too do it, yep. but just looking at their performance there it'll be hard to see Dublin not putting in the same performance and they'd be very, very, very hard to stop. Uh, Tip and Mead should be a, a great game. You know, Mead will want to, you know, get over the line. They they, they fell short last year. Then you tipped. They look good in the semi final, they did. Yeah, no, they did. They did, but it's just it's very hard to look past it. Tipperary, yeah. You know, yeah. And Loud for Mana. You know, a week or two ago, I would have been saying, you know, Loud. No problem, be, yeah. Um, I, I still think they'll do it, but you know I think Fermanagh will will really really um, give them a good game and and give some spectacle. So a lot to look forward to, absolutely. Well, listen, yeah. Nadine, thank you so much for that. We'll have a break next week from the ladies' football because we're going to focus on the Camogie finals, which are down for decision on the eighth of September. But then we are going to have a podcast out on the Tuesday talking about the All Ireland finals, which we mentioned: Louth and Fermanagh in the junior. Meath and Tipperary in the intermediate and then Dublin and Galway in the senior final and uh, we'll also have a, a guest to talk about those games along with yourself Nadine Not at all, thanks William And until then, slán the phone